0: Thank you. Good morning. Lance didn't know I was coming up here. I just wanted to say happy Father's Day to all you amazing dads. Thank you for the role that you play. Whether you're um, not a dad yet, you are a dad, your kids are gone, um, you're spiritual dad, I just want to say thank you and we celebrate you today. And um, most of all, I want to honor you today, Lance. You guys... Lance and I had, we dated for four years. We kind of had a rocky start. We were 17 and 18. What she can you mean. expect? No, she he deserved it. No, I won't go into that because I'm honoring you. So um, that'll be for another week. <laughs> um, but I, when, there was a period of time when we were apart and I thought, I don't want him to be the dad to somebody else's babies. I want him to be the dad to my babies. I'm like, oh, wait, that means I have to marry him. Yeah. 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 Sorry. So, But that's good. But today, and <laughs> um, all seriousness, I want you to know that I honor you, you. as a dad of our kids, Jansen, Michael, and Bailey, and our grandchild, Filson, and one on the way, a new grandbaby. We're expecting, well, I'm not expecting, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, our daughter is, but Lance, you've brought so much healing to my heart in the area of um, my dad, and I just honor you, and I love you. You're an incredible dad, not only to our kids, but you have a father's heart for um, our church. So I love you, and I honor you.
1: Thank you. Uh, okay. Let's go, let's go home. So good. Well, happy Father's Day to all of you as well. I, I, I know um, for some, this is a super exciting, really healthy, way to go day. Uh, and for some, it's not, as Polly said. Sometimes it's difficult, right? Some of us have lost our fathers and have to deal with the loss and the pain. Some of us are dealing with just the fact that maybe you had a father who was with you but didn't, well, he abandoned his post on you. I just want to say, man, here's the thing I know about my life. Uh, Again, I was telling Polly, I said, I have to struggle through a message like this today because for me, I know God's brought healing into me as a dad, but that wasn't because I had a, a great example. But I'm just saying to you, God can bring healing in those places and the deficits and the hurting and all that stuff. God can bring it into you. So watch what he says today. I know he wants to bring healing to each of us. Amen? Amen, amen. amen. Listen, fathers have an amazing impact on our lives, like it or not. Wait, by the way, before we get started, can we just say to the Van Wise, we're so happy you're here today. I know this is your last Sunday. Before you go, love you. We got a chance to pray over you last night, so we're super excited. Make sure you give them a big hug around the neck and tell them you love them. They're going off to Kansas City because uh, they think it's cooler there, so... (laughs) Well, did you know it's hotter there and colder there? No, we're really glad for you. Um, You know, God planned it for a father to have an impact in our world. The crazy thing about this, I've said that before, you know, fathers have an amazing impact and amazing influence. And oftentimes people will say to me, nah, Lance, I don't believe you. It's not that big a deal. I can tell you, you don't have to believe me about a father's role in, in the world. You don't have to, I think personally the role of a father is the single most powerful position on planet earth. It's not a ruler, it's not a king, it's not a, a, a warlord, it's nothing like that. Not a dictator. The most powerful position on planet earth is the role of a dad. No, no question. I think the most influential role on the planet is the role of a mom. But the most powerful, I think, is a father. By the way, you don't have to believe me, but everything in media believes me. The devil's been trying to contort and twist and distort the role of father forever. Because the role of a dad is literally a stand-in figure for who God is to the world. You're just an example. Our role as a dad is just an example. We're just to have people look and go, "Oh, look at you. That's how God is." How you doing? How's your example going? Right? It's hard. Come on. Some of us didn't have great examples. Some of us are here today hurting. Maybe you're mourning. Maybe you're in a little bit of a loss. I'm glad you're here. I want to also talk to you this morning uh, about a special grace to those of you who are single parent families or foster parent families. There's a special grace for you. Not an easier way, but a gracious way. There's a way God makes in the hearts of people, and I know I've had the privilege of speaking into uh, single-parent homes or into foster-parent homes uh, of a grace that God gives to you, and mommies, daddies, whatever it is I'm praying, that you'll give an opportunity for coaches and teachers and pastors and youth leaders to come into your kids' lives and allow them to be uh, spoken to and shown the heart of a father, right? Come on. I know God brings that to each of us. Listen, this week I want to move on in our Shema series that we've been talking about last week. And if you didn't get a chance to hear that message, go online and watch it and you'll hear Shema. Remember, Shema is a Hebrew word. We're going to talk about the role of a father, but I want to use it from the middle of this series, Shema. Shema is a Hebrew word that means to hear or to listen. The the, the Shema, if you talk to a Jewish person, they would tell you it's the single most powerful prayer that a Jewish person prays. The word Shema in Hebrew means to hear or to listen. Actually, it means to listen with an intent to understand and walk out what you're hearing. Right? So the word Shema is literally a prayer. Every, it's, it's out of Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. The Shema is literally a prayer that every Jewish person wakes up every morning and every evening for thousands of years, rolls out of bed, covers their eyes with their right hand, and says the words of Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Why do they cover their eyes? Because they want to remove all the distractions possible from their world. And at night when they lay down, they do the same thing. They cover their eyes with their right hand and literally begin to pray the Shema prayer in a way. I want to take the Shema prayer and begin to unpack a little bit more. Today I want to spend some time. Last week we talked about the word Shema, what it means to listen. This week I want to move on into what I think one of the next most important words in that prayer. I want to talk with you about it today. So God, I pray that you help us to hear what you have to say. We love you. Help us today. And by the way, God, happy Father's Day to you. Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy 6.4 says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. It's interesting, that word Lord there. If you look up on the screen, if it's still up on the screen, you'll notice that the words are capitalized. You see the word Lord. Maybe all the words are capitalized, I'm not sure. But, but uh, the, in your Bibles, you'll see the words L-O-R-D all capitalized in your Bibles. Do you see that in there? Sometimes you might look and think it's a typo. Why in the world did they put that in there? Uh, oftentimes they'll say the phrase G-O-D or God, and it won't be capitalized like this. But it just so happens that the average Jewish person in the Hebrew context literally felt that it was... Uh, they shouldn't say the words God, and so this way, because, let me tell you why. Uh, in, remember the Ten Commandments, the third commandment, thou shalt, uh, what does it say, uh, not commit any, uh, use the name of the Lord in vain, right there. And so every Jewish person uh, never says the name of God itself, because they're afraid they'll use it somehow in vain, breaking a commandment. So instead, they come up with a word, Yahweh. L O R D. In fact, most Hebrew people, most Jewish people with the Hebrew language, wouldn't even uh, spell it out Y A H W E H. They would just spell it Y H W H. They wouldn't include the vowels for fear of actually misusing the name of God. There's sometimes I read things that Jewish people do, and I'm like, I wish we had the same reverence. There's plenty of things they do that are wacky, but there's things I'm like, that's beautiful. The fear of not wanting to cross over and do something out of line. There's something about that that's really beautiful. In fact, a Jewish person would never say the word Yahweh. Oftentimes, they, they might say, uh, they, they, might, they would actually say, they would actually call God Hashem. The word Hashem in Hebrew means the name. So when they're referring to God, they would say, you know, the name. They would also say the word Adonai. You might have heard Jesus called Adonai or call his father Adonai. Because that literally means Lord, capital L-O-R-D, lowercase, the Lord, the, the, the Master, Yahweh. I remember uh, one Father's Day when I was a worship leader a long, long time ago. I remember I got asked to preach, and I, I spoke at the church that we were working at. Uh, and I remember speaking on Father's Day, and you have to know I came from a broken family. Uh, I have... Uh, there's a handful of uh, father figures that showed up in my world. My biological father wasn't a good dude at all. My stepfather who raised me wasn't all that great. But there was a bunch of things. that I, I was always missing things. But anyway, this one Father's Day, I stood up and I preached about the role of a father. And I talked about the greatness of dads and all that business. And this young lady came up to me afterwards, just like with fire in her eyes. And she goes, it must be easy for you. And I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, you must have been raised in a home with an amazing dad who loved you and tucked you in at night, read you stories and said all the great things. It must be great for you, preacher. And I was like, little did you know, (laughs) I come from a bunch of brokenness. Maybe you're here today and you've come from a bunch of brokenness. Maybe you're here today and you are the cause of a bunch of brokenness. I'm really glad you're here. God brought some healing in my world and in my heart. In fact, I remember one time we were, um, I was, Polly and I were youth pastors here at this church just down the street across from 7-Eleven. There's a building there. We were there. And I remember just up in the front of the church, up to the right-hand side of the platform, actually, yeah. And I remember standing there, and I remember uh, being prayed for and hearing the Lord whisper to my heart. You know those times when God just whispers to your heart and you just know it's him? I can't say it was audible, but in my heart of hearts, I just heard him say, Hey, Lance, if you'll allow me, I'll put the heart of a father in your chest, if you'll allow me. <laughs> he did it. I didn't have my eyes healed. I didn't have my, my bad knees fixed, but he gave me a new heart. He gave me the heart of a father. He could do that to you, too. He can bring healing in places that you would never imagine. amen. I did my best being a dad. Wasn't always the best, but I did my best. I'm sure my kids have a few things to discuss with their counselors about me. I've encouraged them to do that. I've just said, be nice. I might know that counselor, so say nice things. So (laughs) no, the truth of the matter is you might need counseling too. It's been the best thing for me. (laughs) I needed it and you might need it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to talk to somebody who's a pro and unpack some of those father wounds because they're real. Amen? Come on. Through your Bibles, open it to the book of Exodus. I'm going to tell you the first place that the word Lord or Yahweh shows up to us in the Bible, the word Yahweh, the one that I just referenced, the capital O-R-D, Lord, L-O-R-D. I want to talk to you about that time when we just sat up here a minute ago talking to the McCullochs about their baby, and we mentioned Moses. This was a time when Moses bumped into God for the first time. Keep in mind, the children of Israel were enslaved. They were in bondage. They were, the Pharaoh was a mean, wicked, evil, awful tyrant of a man. And he was overseeing the nation of Egypt. And the children of Israel were there under his, under his whatever it was, terrible dictatorship. And in that process... God tells Moses, because he was he was drawn out, like we talked about with Natalie, that that moment he was raised up as a deliverer in the house of Pharaoh, no less, but he was raised up, and long story short, he ends up in the backside of the desert in a little place called Midian, and he's there for a bunch of years before he comes back to deliver his people, and you've all seen Moses deliver the people. Come on, you saw the cartoons? It's that moment before then, when Moses is just sitting there talking to himself out, shepherding sheep, and one day bumps into... Yahweh. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 says this. One day Moses was tending the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He went deep into the wilderness near Sinai, the mountain of God. Suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared to him. I want you to look and see in your Bibles. Again, I'm not sure if it's on the screen how many times that word Lord shows up. Verse 2. Suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire in a bush Moses was amazed because the bush was engulfed in flames but didn't burn up amazing moses said to himself why isn't that bush burning up i must go over there and see what this is when the lord saw that he had caught moses attention he called him from the bu- he called he called to him from the bush moses moses here i am moses replied don't come any closer god told him take off your sandals for you're standing On holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he hid his face in his hands because he was afraid. He was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, you can be sure that I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries for deliverance from their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. I have come to rescue them from the Egyptians and to lead them out into their own good, spacious land. It is the land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites live. The cities of the people of Israel have uh, the cries, I'm sorry, the cries of the people of Israel have reached me, and I have seen how the Egyptians have oppressed them with heavy tasks. Now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh. You will lead my people." the Israelites, out of Egypt. But who am I to appear before Pharaoh, Moses asked God. How can you expect me to lead the Israelites from Egypt? Then God told him, I will be with you. I will serve, uh, and this will serve as proof that, that I have sent you. When you have brought the Israelites out of Egypt, you will return here to worship God at this very mountain. Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of of your ancestors has sent me to you. They won't believe me. They will ask, which God are you talking about? What's his name? What should I tell them? God replied, I am the one who always is. Just tell them, I am sent me to you. God also said, tell them, the Lord, your God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This will be my name forever. It has always been my name. And it will will be used throughout all generations. Amen. Can I tell you that we are a generation. The I am is still the I am. He didn't stop being the I am. He didn't stop being the God of our fathers. He didn't stop being the God of you. I want to talk to you today about God, who always is and who always was. I love it. I love the fact that um, he doesn't say, by the way, he doesn't say that he was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. You know what he says? It's in the present tense. He said, I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. By the way, here's what that tells us, a couple of things. It tells us, first of all, that he's clearly with us. Second thing it tells us is that when you die, you do go on. Yay. Yeah. Yay. The real question is, is where will you go on? Come on. He didn't say I was their God. He says I am their God because they still are. Hallelujah. There's hope. All right, that's a different sermon. Let me tell you about the father heart of God. I think the word Yahweh so clearly describes the heart of God. The father heart. I love that phrase. There's a book read, I read a long time ago called The Father Heart of God. If you get a chance, look at it. The father heart of God. I love that because it this expresses this desire to understand a father heart. Sometimes we, we think of God as if this, he's the, uh, the tyrannical king sitting on a throne with a big scepter waiting to just bonk you on the head with it. And tell you, I see all the crazy you've done. I, see, I, he, I watch you, all the mistakes you make. I hear all the lies you say. I love that. God isn't that God. He, he's, a, he's a father. And sometimes that buckles our knees when we think about that, especially when we were raised in environments that weren't the greatest and most conducive to the heart of a father. Hmm. I was raised, by the way, with, with a, uh, my biological father. His dad uh, passed away his first year of life, so he never got to meet his dad. My stepfather who raised me, his dad died when he was 10 or 12. So he wasn't raised with a father. And so understanding the role of father was so confusing to me because I didn't understand what it was. I didn't know how to walk this thing out. I I needed Jesus to show up and be father to me. And here's the great thing. I didn't come from a single parent home. I did not. My mom was a single mommy for a while. But, but as far as being raised in a home, I, I just, I came from a home with a, a father who was really kind of, a, uh, I describe him sometimes as just furniture in the house or wallpaper on the wall. He didn't really do much. He said derogatory things, perhaps, but he didn't really do much in my world. I don't remember my dad ever saying, I love you or I'm proud of you. I can't even think of that. I can't fathom the idea that he would say he's proud of me. But to understand, but, but I just close my eyes and I can think of all the men that God have brought into my life who've said things like this, Lance, I'm proud of you. Lance, I love you. You know, God is like, he's so good, like he brings people in to do the things. If you were at a place of lack today, can I tell you, God's big enough to meet you at that place of need. Come on, he still is. You might be 55, you might be 65, you might be 75, I don't know. But I'm telling you today, God will meet you where you are be the father you need him to be. The father heart of God, first of all, is is present. The father heart of God is present. I love that. He says, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac and Jacob. He's present. I love that word present because he's literally here all the time. Listen, the children of Israel were in an awful place. They were in an awful place. By the way, we got to forget this. The reason why they were enslaved, by the way, was because of their own disobedience. Uh, Sometimes we forget that. We're like, what are they doing in Egypt? They got stuck in a crazy place, and there was this famine and all the craziness that happened. They ended up in that place because of their disobedience. They were worshiping false gods. They were doing all the wrong things. They were literally thumbing their nose at Father God and saying, I got this. Thanks for the suggestions. You know what happens in our world today too, right? When you thumb your nose at God and you say, God, I got this. I'll do it my own way. You end up in bondage and enslaved to something all the time. He's still a God who's present. This is the thing I love the most is that God showed up in the middle of their crazy and said, I see you. He he didn't say, by the way, as soon as you get cleaned up, then I'll be your father. He was present. He said to Moses while they were still in bondage, hey, go get them. Let's deliver them. I love that. By the way, I always think it's interesting when I look back at the darkest seasons of my life that God seems to show up the best. And sometimes I wonder if it's at the darkest places that God's light is brightest is simply because it's a dark place and the light always seems to be brighter or if it's because I finally realize in the darkest places I'm scared and can't solve it myself and I actually run to him with everything I am. You might be in a really dark place today. I know our planet is in a dark place today. I know our nation is in a really dark place today. And I'm telling you, there's a point at which, my brothers and sisters, that this planet, this nation, this world is going to come to a place of saying, I can't keep doing it this way. And they're going to be looking for people who have the light of Christ inside of them to figure out how to find God. That's us. Remember when Jesus said, you are the light of the world? Actually, he said, I'm the light of the world. And he turns around and said, nope, you're the light of the world as well. He's literally saying, you're the reflection of the light. You're like the moon to the sun. You don't have light in you, but the light of Christ you have in you is a reflection of Jesus. Yay. You're God's plan A. The Father heart of God, as he's present, number two, the Father heart of God, he sees where you are. I love this. He sees you. The the Bible actually says Jehovah Roi, R-O-I. He sees you. It says in verse 7, the Lord, this is Yahweh, Yahweh told him, you can be sure that I have seen the misery of my people. You know, I think, that, I think if there's one thing we might all just wholeheartedly agree with is that God sees us. The problem is, is most of us think that God sees us because of our mistakes. God, of course, he sees me. He sees all the dumb things I do, all the crazy things I say, all the little white lies I make, all that stuff. God sees, of course, he sees all that. Nah, that's not why God sees you. I love go, go down to the, the the end of verse seven. I love this. This is an amazing word. Is the end of verse seven? It says, "I have seen." Up in the top part and the bottom part of verse seven says this: "I have heard the cries for deliverance from their harsh slave drivers." Listen to this. Yes, I am aware. Everyone say aware, aware. aware. That's this Hebrew word yada, y a d a. I love that word yada. You know what it means. It means to know, K-N-O-W. It means to intimately understand. It means to fully be cognizant of all of the things. It means to be not just informed. It means to be emotionally involved. I love here it says, the Lord, L-O-R-D, capitals, says, Yahweh, I am aware. I am Yada. I love that because there's such a beautiful picture of God saying, I'm so yada in your marriage. I'm so yada, as as was spoken with Pastor Steve today, I'm so yada in your finances. I'm so yada in your children. I know where they're at. I know. I think think sometimes we we feel like God just sees with this this long ways away. It's not how God sees. God sees, he understands, he's yada, he's aware. Can you just take just a minute and say, God, thank you that you know and that you, yada, you know more than just informed. He's more than just informed. I love that. He's acquainted to feel deeply. Remember the woman caught in the act of adultery, that whole thing? Remember that story? Jesus was kneeled down. and the, Jesus didn't even talk to her. She shows up because the people, the, the leading priests bring him, her to him. And remember, he looks at them and he says, okay, which one of you is going to cast the first stone? And has a little bit of an engagement with them. He doesn't say anything to her. He kneels down and he writes in the sand. We, nobody knows what he says and there's all kinds of speculation what he wrote in the sand. I don't really, doesn't think that even matters. The bigger issue is the first time he finally addresses her was when all of her accusers left. I love that. He knew her heart. He knew her. I love the fact that he said, I don't, I don't condemn you either. His first words to her was like, you're safe. I don't condemn you either. I just love the fact that he got to the very heart of the issue because she, so ju- she was feeling so judged and condemned and pointed out and exposed as if he just said, I know you. And you're safe. God knows you. He yada you. He knows you. He knows your trip ups, your failures. He knows your successes and your joys. And he still says, yada, I know you. I know your misery. I know your pain. Hmm. The father heart of God sees. Jehovah Rohi, he sees. Number three, the father heart of God hears. He hears your cry for help. I love it. The word here, it says, I have seen in verse 7 as well. It says, I have heard their cries for deliverance. The word here, you know what that is? It's the same word Shema that we're talking about, the prayer, the Shema prayer. The the word Shema, we told you what the word Shema means. It means to listen with an intent to understand and do something about it. It's not just, I I hear their cries and they're just going to keep on crying a little louder. He says, I get it. I understand, yada, and I Shema, I'm taking it in. Don't tell me that God is unaware of what's going on in your world. He is. He yada, he gets it, and he shama, he understands with an intent to do something about it. The question I have for you is, will you allow him? You got to allow him? Well, yeah, sure you got to allow him. Why? Because he's a good God. He's not going to force his love on you. He's not going to force his way into your world. The Bible says, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll open it, I'll come in. The devil doesn't do that. The devil just says, I stand at the door, and I'm going to kick it in. He's a good God. The question is, is, you don't have to receive the love of God. You don't have to receive the healing love of a father. You don't have to experience the yada or the shama of God if you don't want to. But you can if you'll allow him. He hears. He hears. You know, sometimes I think when I figure that God hears me, if there's one thing about God that we can universally agree with, is that God is definitely slow. You look at me like, you ever feel like that God is just super slow? You're like, seriously, Jesus, what's taking? Come on. You ever, if you've not thought that, then you're crazy. I'm telling you, you've just like, come on at some point. It's like gotta be great if you can solve that now. Right? Here's the thing I remember a pastor friend of mine telling me. He goes, Lance, you know it takes 11 miles? Listen to this. He goes, it takes 11 miles to turn an ocean liner in the ocean. If an ocean liner is going to turn all the way around, it takes 11 miles for that bugger to turn all the way around. I'm like, so what are you telling me that for? He goes, because God is not in a hurry. Well, If you took that boat and you flipped it really hard, you know what happened? happen? You'd launch all the deck chairs off the top. You see, God in his 11 mile journey to turn that thing around, you know what he's doing? He, he's long suffering. He's not unaware. He's faithfully careful. He's not heartless. His desire to turn the boat really long and slow is to thoroughly heal you, to bring peace to not only you, but to generation and generation through you. The reason why God just doesn't say, okay, snap, snap, snappy. Sometimes he'll do that. Most of the time he won't because he wants to heal you and those around you. And he wants to make it for good and get to the root of the issue. Sometimes we're like, if you'll just fix this now, but my heart is really terrible. You're like, no, let's fix that heart first. So it sticks. Come on. Number four, I'll be done. The Father Heart of God is holy. The Father Heart of God is holy. Everyone say holy. The word holy in Hebrew means set apart. I think it's amazing to me how Moses had been to that place a bunch of times with those sheep. He sees a bush on fire. God tells him to take off his shoes. He'd been there before, he'd had his shoes on. It's hot sand. It's not like he was sitting around walking on marble floors, he was walking on sand. Because wherever God is, is holy. Doesn't matter if it's dirty. Doesn't matter if there's a burning bush. Doesn't matter if there's just a wet cactus. It doesn't matter. Where God is, is holy. The word set apart simply means set apart from the crazy and set apart for holy. Come on now, I want you to realize that God is holy. God loves you. He is holy. In other words, he's not caught up in the sin that we're caught up with. We can come to him because he's righteous. See, maybe today you're in a place where you're like, I am so tired of the cheap. I'm so tired of the phony. I'm so tired of the veneer. I want the real Jesus. I want the one who's going to get down deep in my heart. I want the one who's holy and set apart from this world that I can run to him who's pure and forgiving and restorative. That's the Father heart of God. He's not saying run from me. He's saying run to me. I love the fact that Moses was surprised at the burning bush. I'm like, he didn't say anything about the fact that he was surprised that the bush was actually talking. That would have thrown me off a skosh. Bush burning, perhaps. Bush talking, that's burning. More so though. and God will show up in your world any way he wants to. There's been times, there's been times where I've been so mad at a leader in my world, in my world, somebody over me have been so furious with them. I remember a time I was so backwards and upside down with, uh, when the church that we were planting, we were, we were at a place financially. We were so, I remember feeling like we were so tight financially. And I, I called my pastor up and I was like, hey, pastor, I don't know what to do. Like, do you, do you, he goes, how much money you got in the bank? And I think I've told you this before. I said, we have about one month worth of money. And he goes, what are you doing to make it not that way? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm doing everything I know how. And at that time, I was working for Costco. I was trying to pastor a church. I was trying to be a daddy. I was trying to do everything. And he goes, well, why don't you quit your Costco job and be full-time as a pastor? I was like, I can't afford it. He says to me this, where's your faith, pastor? On the phone, I was so mad. I was like, what kind of, what? Come on. And Lord goes, where's your faith, Pastor? You know, from that day, we moved on. And I've never been back to work at Costco again. Because we took a step in faith. Listen, if it doesn't scare you a little bit, you don't need faith for it. There's times when God will meet you and it will make you angry. But it's the very thing you need. Because he's holy. I want to pray for you today. Can we do that? Come on. You have to say yes, because I'm going to do it. Whether you're a mommy, daddy, whether you're, who, are, just put your hands out in front of you as if you're going to receive today from a father heart of God. Father, I pray today, first of all, thank you for who you are. You're so good, God. Sometimes you're, you're confusing, God. There's times when you don't make any sense. There's times when I stand at the bedside of somebody who's not going well and I'm doing a funeral of somebody who's too young or I, I watch somebody who's struggling too much and I'm like, God, where are you? And I sit just one second longer. and I sense your presence. God, there's somebody here today who's needing your presence. Come on, if that's you, I want you to just stretch your fingers out a little wider and just say, Jesus, needs you. I need the Father heart of God to heal my brokenness. I need the Father heart of God to meet me where I've been missing it. God, we need you today. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to God, today's a good day to do that. you have your hand stretched out, just say it. Jesus, I give you all of me. I'm not holding back now. I need to give you all of me. I just give you me. I give you my sin. I give you my pain. I give you my hurt. I give you all my shame. I just give it to you. I don't need it anymore. I need you. Come on now. Just say that to him today. Maybe it's been a long time and you did that a long time ago, but it's been a while and you you need to give your life back to God. You don't need to get resaved. You just need to get realigned. And just say, Jesus, I re-give my life to you if that's even a word. I just give you me all of me you're so good God thank you for being our heavenly father we need you in Jesus name amen amen I just challenge you to allow the father heart of God to minister to you this week amen Shama.